When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Valentine's Day, Wednesday. It's also Ash Wednesday for those of the uh, Catholic faith, Christians. Crossover, weird. Weird that it's this early, but uh, yes, had Fat Tuesday last night. If you got out and maybe had a hurricane or ate some uh, gumbo or something. Oh, yeah. Now it's time for Lent, but it's also time for love. With the uh, day for love, Valentine's Day. We talked the fifth, fabulous fifth hour with a good news story, Rod. How about this one? A Minneapolis couple remodeling their bathroom made a discovery behind a wall. They're tearing, they're doing the do it, you know, fixer upper thing. Mm, DIY, do it yourself. They found love letters from a previous homeowner that could they, they believe could be close to a hundred years old. Hundred years old. Okay. Matt and Carissa Tessimer say they. Uh, uh, talking about the letters and uh, Ray reading from them. Um, that, I mean, so on this day of love, 100-year-old love letters found in the walls of the bathroom. Are they worth some money? I don't think so. Oh, Probably to those people, but they're gone. Those are 100 years ago. Well, yeah, so if they're not worth any money, then what do I care about them for? Yeah, because it's, it's the is, day of love. It's the yeah, day of love. Somebody, love somebody else knows is, no, uh, no era, Rob. Somebody else's private correspondence, though, about their love and their relationship. I don't want to read it unless it's worth some bread. <laughs> then we can sell it. So and we can, yeah, but if not, it's somebody. It's like private stuff, man. Might have some secret, family secrets in there. Nobody needs to know. Ooh. I love about love childs and all kind of stuff going on, man. You well, don't want to be in people's business like that. Yeah, they're just remodeling their bathroom, doing a little Chip and JoJo. Uh, all right. So uh, on the way to the break, we're talking about Travis Kelsey saying he owes his entire career to Andy Reid. You know, so the Kelsey story is is really a fascinating one, Rod, because he's going to leave the game as the greatest tight end of all time. Yeah. Uh, he and Patrick Mahomes, the greatest. Mm-hmm. You know playoff combination, pass, quarterback, receiver of all time. Uh, but, you know, when he was coming out, he's from, from Cleveland, Ohio, and he and his brother, Jason, he was a quarterback in high school, uh, and he was kind of a three-star guy. And um, But you heard him talk about channeling his emotions. So he went to Cincinnati. He was a two-star recruit, Rod, because okay. at quarterback, they didn't see much future in Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. So he was recruited by Cincinnati, Akron, Eastern Michigan, and Miami, Ohio. And he chose Cincinnati because his brother Jason was already playing on the offensive line there. Okay. So he went to Cincinnati. Uh, first year he played okay, didn't do much. And then they went, made it to a bowl game. And he ended up failing a drug test down in New Orleans at a bowl game. He talked about how he, you know, he didn't know he was going to get drug tested. And yeah. he might have done some things he shouldn't have been doing when he was in New Orleans. And next thing you know, he's, he's uh, you know, failing a good drug test. Well, that was the year that Butch Jones came in to be the coach there. So you got a first-year head coach dealing with this guy who failed a drug test and likes to party. So Bush Jones kicked him off the team, hmm. kicked him off the team. And so he had he spent a full year not playing football. Had to, and according uh, and so what happened was when Bush Jones kicked him off the team, his brother Jason went to Bush Jones said, "Hey, look, um, you know he's a good guy, made some mistakes. He's got to calm down a little bit. He's going to move in with me. I'm going to keep an eye on him. Can you let him back on the? Can he work his way back on the team?" Is what he asked Butch Jones. And so Butch Jones met with Travis Kelsey and told him, yes, you can, you're can. you not going to be on the team, but if you get a, a great point average up to three, above three point, uh, keep clean, 
keep your head down, well, we'll let you back on the team eventually. And he did that, and he made it back on the team, and that's when they moved into tight end rod yeah. uh, when he came back, and that's when he took off. Now, even after taking off, when he went to the NFL draft, he still, you know, people still had the uh, kind of the the the, the, mm-hmm. the the red check was, oh, man. Immaturity. Immaturity, wild card yeah. off the field, really talented guy that we like, and he was still available in the third round, which surprised a lot of people because of the numbers he put up at Cincinnati. Well, what do you know? When he's on the board in the third round, Andy Reid is now the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs in 2013. He's got a 63rd pick he needs. Well, Andy Reid calls Jason Kelsey – who's still playing in Philadelphia, or Andy Reid left okay. and says, hey, tell me about the kid. Uh, tell me about your brother. Uh, what, what am I getting with this? I know what I got with you. Um, can you vouch for the kid? And uh, Jason, of course, gave him a, a strong recommendation, and the next thing you know, they draft Travis Kelsey. Yeah. But Andy Reid brought him in kind of under the same rules. Mm-hmm. That, you know, this is – your brother's vouching for you, but I need to see it from you. And um, what do you know? I mean, it's uh, I mean the, the whole Andy Reid thing. <laughs> the fact that Andy Reid had known Taylor Swift before Travis Kelsey does that's that is crazy. fascinating. That's crazy. Now, that is a small world thing. Yeah. yeah. So you know, and, and you know, those stories will be told now that both of these guys are going to the Hall of Fame, right? When I I, I just wonder because we're because the one thing with Jason Kelsey is you know there's some he still hasn't officially said he's retiring or coming back. I don't know where that is with him. He's partying like he's retired, at least in Vegas. And he's, and he's meeting with a lot of uh, yes. like broadcast networks about you know, post-playing opportunities. So yep. I wonder, yeah, maybe I he just hadn't found the right one. Because, um, yes, because, uh, yeah, you, you, as you just said, when he was in Vegas and all the TV execs are there, yep. apparently he was a hot commodity on, mm-hmm. the, on the strip. Everybody yep. wanted to talk to Jason about, hey, look, if you're retiring, we want you. Want you to do, you know, because he's. They you want know, him to do a simulcast of some kind. But yeah. they, I think they want the both brothers. They want both brothers. Yeah. Uh, but would they wait for Travis? Because Travis has yeah. already said he's coming back to run it back and uh, go for a three-peat. They'll probably wait on him. Um, but I, they probably want access first to the podcast, and then they can kind of start rolling out their own simulcast uh, plans as they go. But, it, it, I mean, I think that's exactly what they want from the brothers. But they want both brothers. It's not good to just have one brother. Yeah. You need both of them. Yeah, because the they're key. magic together, right? They're magic together. One, one's got that. One's, one's going to – potentially marry Taylor Swift, the biggest pop star in the world, you won't access to that fan base. You don't have him. You don't have access to the Swifties. Yeah. The Swifties are kind of the whole point of this, too. That's yeah. a big part of it. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, this sounds like Jason. Uh, Travis Kelsey owns his career to his brother Jason. Well, that's true, too. His brother has helped him a lot. Uh, they're brothers. They're brothers, man. <laughs> they're brothers. Don't you help your brother out a lot, too? Uh, yeah, you would. They're brothers. You'd do anything yeah. for him, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's amazing that, uh, you know, just the timing of it. I mean, Andy Reid gets let go in Philadelphia because he can't win the big one. Goes to Kansas City, and with the first draft, he's got the availability of Travis Kelsey. So he calls Jason, hey, tell me about this kid. Uh, and then obviously the rest is history. And they're all going to the Hall of Fame. Yes, they are. The Kelsey family. It's going to be one of those first families in the Hall of Fame, one of those first families of football. But they're both going in there. Um, I, I think Jason will probably try to give it one more try just because if they lose Jason Kelsey on that offensive line, they're no longer the best O-line in football. That's what's one of the reasons they've been the best O-line in football. And the unique tush-push or the brotherly shove, um, they'll lose that too. That's also one of their unique strengths and advantages they have over teams that they play four-down football. And if they got anything fourth and fourth and short at all, fourth and two or less, fourth and three or less actually sometimes, then it's automatic. They're going that's, for that's, it. that's gonna drastically change the way that they operate um, as a as an offense when they no longer have that ability. Um, and with, with Jalen Hurts, you'll still have the quarterback, but Jason Kelsey is just as important to that play as 
Jalen Hurts is, if not more important, actually. Yeah, and the funny part of that is he's, it's now been revealed that every time he snaps the ball, he starts cussing and screaming. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As they convert. <laughs> As they convert. Because he's got to yeah. you know, dive in there and smash into large humans who are trying to stop him, and then here comes Jalen Hurts and all the tonnage behind it, and he yep. starts his, you know, gritting his teeth and cussing about it. Uh, but, yes, you wonder. And look, I mean, Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator. I don't by any stretch think he's going to change that play. No, but uh, you have to change it if Jason Kelsey's gone because he's the unique part of – he's the, the second most unique element of the play. Sure. His power and the fact that he's a Hall of Fame center and then behind him you have a power-lifting quarterback. You just don't have those two unique – nobody has that ability. That's why nobody else can replicate it. You're right about that. Uh, interesting, and, and you know, I played that cut, and one of the reasons it was such a big topic was when Jason Kelsey you know, bumped into – Oh, yeah. uh, Andy Reid on the sidelines. He yeah. did. He did say that was unacceptable. He apologized to Andy. So it was just emotions of the game, and you know, Andy kind of played it off and just said that happens quite a lot actually on our sidelines. He just it's, didn't catch it before. Yeah, he, he gets over magnified in the Super Bowl. But you know, he's an emotional guy, and uh, they weren't playing well at that time, and uh, he wanted the he wanted to help them, and that was right after the Isaiah Pacheco fumble. They had several they were, of those. I mean, Mahomes and Rasheed Rice got into it on the side. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's, that's when you have uh, a game of that magnitude where there's so much on the line and they weren't playing well in the first half. Yeah, I'm not surprised that those guys reacted that way. They're used to playing to a certain standard. And he, you see even Kelsey wanted to call out his own coach. Like, hey, man, you ain't coaching to the standard, man. Let's go. Let's get it done. And by the way, Kelsey wasn't playing to the standard. He had missed a block earlier that led to a, a negative play. Like, he wasn't playing really well either. And then all those guys kind of found their groove. And once once uh, Patrick Mahomes put the cape on, it was all she wrote. Hey, what do you, I know they talked about it a little bit yesterday, but uh, Shanna, you talked about before the Super Bowl that maybe Steve Wilkes, the defense coordinator in San Francisco, could be – yeah. In jeopardy, where do you think? Do you think they, they retain him? I they mean, are retaining him. They are? They are retaining him. I'm a little surprised that they're retaining him. I don't, don't think they had a plan. And he, he did really well in the Super Bowl. I mean, that was a good game plan. That was probably one of his best games uh, as a coordinator in the Super Bowl. So I think he did maybe recency bias. Maybe the, the maybe John Lynch and Shannon saw that he's getting better. Um, but he's got to fix the edges, man. They were one of the worst edge rush defenses in all of uh, the NFL last night. They were allowing six yards per rush off the edge. There's no excuse when you got edge rushers like a Chase Young, who, by the way, played really well, um, and Bosa. There's no reason you'd be giving up that kind of yardage on the edge on perimeter runs. So once they figure that out, and by the way, I thought the game plan defensively was really good for the 49ers. So maybe they see some signs of life. So they're going to keep him around. Uh, it's our, they said it at the, at the press conference yesterday. He's going to stay around. And, you know, the thing about the Dre Greenlaw injury, which was so critical, uh, he's you can't expect him to be back <laughs> No, uh, by, you know, anytime early next year. I mean, you're talking about an Achilles for a guy that, you know, he's a great player too. I remember go back to when Dre Greenlaw was at the center of that, you know, melee in Philadelphia back in the regular season when he oh, got he's into he's it with the big dude really on the player. sidelines. Uh, he is a, he's a heartbeat. Uh, and to have him next to Fred Warner. That's uh, what makes that that defense dynamic, and so we'll see. Everyone's trying to trying to figure out what the next steps are, and all the the ports of call is the uh, Chiefs set up for another parade coming up in about uh, one about forty five minutes. So it's coming up as we speak. Uh, they have not revealed whether Taylor Swift is going to be at the parade or not. The mayor is playing coy, so he says you got to stay tuned. So if she could be there. She could be, I think she will actually be there. She's going to have to do quick turnaround again because she's got a show in in Australia on Friday night. Uh, on Friday night, oh, this week? This week. Yeah, it's, that's plenty of time. 
She got a jet. Yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> like she, tra- she travels like the gin pop. She don't travel like the gin pop. She got plenty of time. It's, yeah, it's, it's midweek. It's Wednesday to Friday. She got time. She had to show up and then immediately go, but I can see him doing it. Or who knows? Travis Kelsey may go to the parade, and then maybe he'll fly out to go meet his boo thing. Hey, who knows? I heard, I think it was uh, Kay Adams I heard yesterday, because this story just flashed from Adam Schefter. Kay Adams, who used to be on the NFL Network, now does uh, work great work at YouTube and FanDuel. Um because here's the, 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 the piece of news that just dropped from Adam Schefter. Fresh off another Super Bowl win, the Chiefs have now signed their defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, to a contract extension. She was making the argument for Steve Spagnuolo to be the first Hall of Fame coordinator. Could you put Steve Spagnuolo into the Hall of Fame as a defensive coordinator eventually down the road? Could somebody make that argument just based on, you know, he's got five or four Super Bowls now or five as a coordinator uh, one with the Giants when they had the undefeated Patriots. Now, you know, two with the Chiefs uh, or three with the Chiefs. Could you make that argument? I mean, because to me, Halls of Fame are telling the history of your league. Yeah. And it's hard to tell the history and the impact of your league without talking about Steve Spagnuolo and what he's done, not as a head coach, but as a defensive coordinator and dialing up game plans. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's never happened before. I know. Interesting. Um. I know there's like a coordinator, like Dick LeBeau's in, but I'm not sure if Dick LeBeau's in as a player. Um, obviously, they're saying he's not in as a coordinator, so it had to be in as a player um, that he went in, right? Didn't Dick LeBeau in? Dick LeBeau's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, the great yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, Dick LeBeau's in. And Dick LeBeau, was Dick LeBeau in as a player? He was on the Detroit Lions 75th anniversary team, the Detroit Lions all-time team, so maybe he got in as a player. He was a three-time second-team All-Pro, so maybe – I'm not sure, but Dick LeBeau's in. He is. You're right about that. So, in the end, I thought he was in as a coordinator. Uh, da, da, da. But I don't know. I'm yeah. not to say. Well, I mean. I mean, I, my answer would be yes. yes. My answer would be yes, you should put Steve Spagnola in. The truth is, Steve Spagnola probably shouldn't have got, should have gotten a head, another head coaching opportunity by now, but he got his worst – he got his uh, head coach opportunity at the worst time, and it was with that Rams uh, organization before they, you know, before they were functional. They were highly dysfunctional with the Rams, and then he never got a shot again. So I think he probably should get another head coaching opportunity potentially. Um, but as a coordinator, yeah, he's coordinated some of the greatest defensive performances. I'm sure a bunch of his game plans might be in the Hall of Fame. They might put this one in the Hall of Fame, yeah. potentially. Uh, but definitely the one, the game plan he had for the Giants against the 07 Patriots squad, right? That was him. And then the other one, the 2011 Patriots squad, that was in there too, if I'm not correct. So, uh, yeah, the game plan should be in the Hall of Fame. He should be in there too. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, I mean, I, again, I, as why far as not, why that's not the case. Yeah, well, it's just it would set a precedent because Dick LeBeau is in as a player, and remember, Dick LeBeau was such a good defensive coordinator. His, his one stint as a head coach in Cincinnati he went twelve and thirty-three in three seasons. So, yeah. much like Steve Spagnuolo, it He's, did not go well. Yeah, Dick LeBeau's kind of like that. So I don't know. I, mean, I guess I didn't know Dick LeBeau was in just as a player because it didn't seem like his playing career is that. I mean, it was impressive, but Hall of Fame impressive. Yeah, but again, the, he, was a, the, the, he was never a first-team All-Pro. Uh, you want to I pick- think Lee LeBeau got in because Dick LeBeau was also a great coordinator. Yes. It, it, I, think it, I think it helped him to be both. I, I don't think, as a, just a player, I don't think he would have got in just a, as a player. Right, and, and you know, yeah. the Steelers won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it was. So, it yeah, was the combination of the two. And yeah. I don't know, I mean, I, I, you know, it, it's, it's recency bias for sure, but at the same time, what we're watching the resume Steve Spagnuolo build, you know, going playing chess, excuse me, and going head-to-head some of the best offensive minds and best mm-hmm. offenses in pro football history – 
that's really, really impressive. I mean, no, it is. <laughs> I think I think you can make an exception. I mean, it shouldn't be a regular thing, but I think you can make an exception in the case of Steve Spagnuolo. Yeah, and yeah. obviously he's got mm-hmm. – it'd be five years after retirement. He's not close to retiring. He just signed a new contract. And so, again, if you're keeping score at home, uh, the Chiefs will come back next year with the best quarterback, the best head coach, the best defensive coordinator, the best tight end, and uh, the best general manager who will yep. make moves this offseason to make them better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I like that with Steve Spagnuolo. He, he doesn't seem to have any uh, aspirations to be a head coach anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, at some point you're making plenty of money. You're, you're working with Andy Reid. You, you, you know Brett Veach is going to supply you with players, right? I mean, you know, when they, when they knew they had to rebuild that defense, Brett Veach went out and landed, you know, Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis and, you know, Jerry, all these guys that have, you know, make this defense. Because he's, you know, every coach would tell you, I'm yep. only as good as my players. And it's the general managers that are just finding these guys and finding these players. The next thing you know Steve Spagnuolo is going to do is go pound the table about, hey, get Chris Jones signed, please. Can we, can we get done. that? My contract's done. Mm-hmm. I need Chris Jones done. They need it done. I think he said there will be an effort on both sides to sign Chris Jones, and they'll get it done. But, you know, I mean, the fact that he even got to this point with Chris Jones, they should have signed that dude to whatever. I mean, how is he going to be worth less now? You don't get a bargain now after watching him in the Super Bowl, and everybody knows how impactful he was in the Super Bowl. I would have just paid him from the jump. But uh, Brett Veach, I'm not going to question the way he does business because he does it as well as anybody, actually. All right, it is Valentine's Day. Ty, do you have a meal planned for tonight for the lady? You're the cook. You said you're on something. You're making ra- homemade ravioli that did not go well. Do you have a, uh, a dinner plan tonight for the lady? Uh, no, we're going to go to lunch, and then she's Ooh. working till like 7 or 8, and so I think we're going to go to that Bob Schneider Valentine's Day show at ACLA. Oh, good for you. It's That'll classy. Be- That'll be some romance. I know, because I, I, Bob Schneider's in his 50s now, but, Rob, when he was the knit thing in Austin, Texas, like, you didn't really want to take – because every girl in the place wanted to go home with Bob Schneider. And oh, so, was it like that, Yeah. Huh? I mean, was, remember, Bob Schneider back in the day dated the likes of Sandra Bullock, and he was kind of the it deal. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, in Austin, Texas. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, what was that movie that, uh, that, that Sandra Bullock filmed down in Bastard, Smith Smithville with Harry Connick Jr.? What was the name of that show? Ooh, Hope Floats, maybe? That's, that's... Hope Floats. I don't know if I remember that one. I, I remember the whole floats. I don't know if I remember. Yeah, that was filmed down it. in Smithville there, just past uh, Bastra. And at the time, Sandra Bullock was living here, and, yeah, apparently they were they were an item. Okay. Um, Bob Schneider. And, yeah, he he can do the romance thing. He can do the uh, – he's one of those – every dude wants to hang out and have a beer with him. Every uh, every lady wants to go home with Bob Schneider back in the day. All right. You know, I th- he's in his 50s now, though. He's still very funny. But that's that's going to be a good show for you tonight. I like that a lot. I haven't seen uh, Bob Schneider in quite a while. Yeah, because Bob used to be with a band called The Scabs. Is he in his he 50s? Was... Oh, yeah. He's my age. Like damn near 60. I think, I think he's a little bit younger. Uh, I think he's like 45. No, no like Bob 50. Schneider is 58 years old. Yeah, like what? <laughs> yes, Bob Schneider is 58 look it up? years old. Yeah. Yes, I'm looking at it right he now. He's born in 1965. 1965. A lot of ladies wow. like him. Man ages well. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. He knows how to moisturize. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Uh, but, yes, I mean, he was – I mean, he's still big, but he was, he's been a fixture in the Austin – I mean, I knew that. I knew he was older than me, Ty, and I'm 51. So, um, you know, he he was in a band called The Ugly Americans, and he was in a band called The Scabs, and then, of course, he went Bob Schneider. Uh, there was there was a lot of that stretch when, I, when in college and then beyond for me where the question was, why is this guy not blowing up like internationally? Like, like this guy is a superstar. Yeah. And, and what was the reason? 
I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I really thought when he was dating the likes of Sandra Bullock and he was That's getting the cat that natural run that all of a sudden this guy's going to get a huge record deal. He's going to take off. And there's been a lot of bands like that here in Austin. Sometimes, the, you know, they don't want the they don't, they don't, the, they don't want the uh, yeah, superstardom. That comes yeah. with a lot of challenges. It does. Sometimes they don't want to go mainstream, but ain't that the goal? That would be the make goal. it big. Well, have those, I would have say those issues. Yeah, but it's, I would say that he's you know most he's traveled the world and then played music around the world. But at the same time, he's made Austin his base. He can always fill up a room in Austin and make a good living putting out records and mm-hmm. um, you know playing close to home. He's been coming so, out with like a new song every day for the last like two months. Yeah, well, that's that Taylor Swift thing. And most of them are good. Uh, yeah, most of them aren't good or are good. Are good. Well, he's a fabulous musician. Well, you know, I, I was telling that story. I was reading, reading uh, I think it was Business Insider, one of the uh, uh, business things, talking about how Taylor Swift, since she's become the story of Super Bowl, that, you know, remember she had to go back and re-record her, her masters, right? She wanted to own her own music, Ron, yep. and it got sold. And she she didn't own her masters anymore. And so it was Kelly Clarkson, the great uh, uh, Texan from Burleson, Texas, who on a tweet suggested to her, hey, why don't you just go re-record your first five albums? Go back and re-record them, put them back out, and then you'll own them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll minimize what the, the originals were. Yeah. And what turned out happening was she did that. She went back and re-recorded them all, and it reintroduced her audience. I mean, all those older songs, it's got a whole new audience now. Mm-hmm. And they come out, and a lot of them are actually better than the original because she's more mature Re- as an artist. And, yeah, she, she, they're just a, just a better version in a lot of people's opinion. And she was putting out new music either daily or weekly. A new song, and she was re-recording all of these. And it, uh, it, you know, if you talk about what has made her this global icon, you can you can credit that decision to re-record those first five albums, and then put them out and to this whole new audience in a in a real slow, deliberate fashion. Uh, but connect and engage, and social media allows you to do that, right? You can, yep. like Bob Schneider's doing now, you can put those songs out right to your audience, who then get to, you know, it kind of feels like you're behind the curtain. That's hey, look, true. here's a new song I got. Yeah. Check this one out for you. Yeah. Boom. Well, it's, good. it's a good idea, too. And I didn't it, think about that. And she, she communicates with her fans. I did not know Bob Schneider was doing that, but it doesn't surprise me at all because uh, he has, I mean, obviously not Taylor Swift, but he has a hugely loyal following here in Austin, Texas that I'm sure gets loves the fact that Bob Schneider is sending them new songs all the time. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Well, enjoy that concert tonight there, T.Y. You'll enjoy that. We'll get a review of Bob Schneider tomorrow. And uh-huh. where is that going to be at? Uh, ACL Live. ACL Live at the Moody Theater. Nice. Beautiful spot. That'll be, and I think it's he's got, is it with the, the orchestra? Did they get on, yes. Did they and a oh, few I, other artists, too. I didn't recognize their names, though. Strings. And, like, that's, a good, that's a good choice. So lunch and then Bob Schneider. I'm down with that. All right, good. Uh, lunch and Bob Schneider. Lunch and Bob Schneider. <laughs> 58, Ty. 58 now. Very wrong about that. Ypsilanti, Michigan, back in the day. All right, we'll come back. When we do, uh, Rod's going to take us behind the burnt orange curtain. We also uh, just sent Ty a piece of sound of uh, B. John Robinson. Well, he, because B. John was making the rounds on Radio Row last week, Rod. Yes, he was. Uh, talking about A.D. Mitchell and uh, X Worthy and what those guys can be next level. We'll talk about that and hear from B. John. And then Rod's going to talk about uh, the 11 Longhorns headed to Indianapolis at the end of the month. Let's hook him up with Ian Rod B. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, knee deep now into uh, the beginnings of player evaluation season in the NFL. That's the combine. That's uh, pro day of March 20th for Texas. That will also then lead into player acquisition phase of the NFL's offseason. And uh, interested to see, and I mentioned this earlier, Rod, but it mentioned it bears repeating that uh, according to the, to the 
to the folks in Vegas, right? The uh, the the betting public. How about this? Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Fields. About a week ago, uh, the opportunity of potentially Justin Fields, the Bears quarterback. Remember, Bears have the first pick overall, so likely yep. to draft Caleb Williams, which makes uh, Justin Fields their quarterback available. Uh, about a week ago, the the odds were plus 550 for him to join a team called the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those lines currently are minus 125. So momentum among the gambling circles that the Steelers and Mike Tomlin may be coming to get uh, Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields to lead them moving forward and move on from the uh, Kenny Pickett Mason Rudolph mess. Um, yeah, I mean I, I I love that idea. I mean that's what's holding back the Pittsburgh Steelers. They haven't transitioned really well from Big Ben, and they I think they just need a serviceable, capable quarterback. Um, Justin Fields will be way more than that, but um, I think if they can find a good quarterback, Mike Thomas still a hell of a coach. I mean this guy still is leading them to the playoffs year after year. Uh, they find a dynamic quarterback as an organization. They've, been, they've still drafted wide receiver well, some of the skill talent. Even Jalen Warren in the backfield, they got a running game. They really just need a quarterback to kind of lead them. Yeah, and Justin Fields now has been, I guess, uh, seasoned a little bit in, uh, in, in Chicago. A lot of people would say undercoached because he's had three different offensive coordinators since he's come into the league. And, um, yeah, I mean, it really depends on what the Steelers are willing to give up. I'm sure the Bears are going to ask for that you know, number 20 pick on the first round, but that's probably a little bit too heavy. But, you know, the, the Bears are going to say, wait a second, we drafted him in the top 12 of the draft. He's a franchise quarterback. We're only making him available is because we are gonna buy, we have a chance to take Caleb Williams right now. Yeah, they'll claim they like him that much, but it's your fault you drafted him that high, yeah. not us. We're yeah. not paying the price for your miscalculation. Sure. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how, and, you know, I think the leverage would belong to Pittsburgh because they know they need to trade him. Uh, at this point, because they're going to draft Caleb Williams, uh, so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I like that, would, that move though. That would be intriguing as hell because uh, with Arthur Arthur Smith, the former Tennessee offensive coordinator and Atlanta Falcons head coach, um, you know, as now the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh, I would imagine he'll build a pretty dynamic scheme. And, and as we said earlier, at Tennessee, he got the best out of Ryan Tannehill, and yes, he did. and they had a power running game with Derrick Henry. They were a great play action team, and um, you know Pittsburgh has some pieces. And heck, they were in the playoffs this past year. Yeah, no, Pittsburgh, I mean, they just unfortunately play in one of the toughest divisions in the league. Sure. If not the toughest division in the league. You got the MVP in that division with Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, um, and then you got to deal with Joe Burrow when he gets healthy. Uh, you got a couple of guys in that division that can put their capes on. You need a quarterback that at least has a cape because otherwise, as I started out the show talking about, you ain't got a shot. The only shot you got is when that guy can put his cape on in the fourth quarter and possibly give you a, a chance to win big games in clutch time in the playoffs. Uh, the, the upside of a quarterback like Justin Fields because we all know that you just pointed out he's had a very inconsistent developmental track so far that if you put the right pieces around them, the right culture, some stability, uh, that maybe he gets closer to his ceiling as a player. And I've seen him have some moments where he looks like he does put the cape on, that he can make some some plays with his legs, and he's got a cannon of an arm. Um, what they haven't been able to do is find the right offense that's compatible with his skill set just yet. The closest they came, though, a couple of years ago when the Bears basically stole the Ravens' offense. Now, they basically kind of took Greg Roman's old offense and started using Greg Roman's old offense and made him their kind of 
mini version of Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson light, and he was really good. I mean, led them in passing and rushing that year. Uh, Justin Fields did and showed that he could be one of the most dynamic young dual threat quarterbacks in the league. They got to do that consistently uh, with the same system terminology and see if then the the the, the leadership qualities start to uh, show themselves and that he himself as a quarterback starts to be more of the, 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 the elite version or at least starts to flash more of that upside uh, that we've seen so far. He's a big athletic quarterback that oh, you can do a lot of things with. All the raw materials. He man. sure does. He and, checks every box. And Mike Tomlin, I think, in that organization could bring just the stability that young guy needs because yeah. it, it was just chaotic in Chicago, right? They're oh, changing yeah. coaches. They're gonna change. They, they change coordinators again. The coordinators again. Co- coaches getting arrested for whatever yeah. you know by the feds. And I <laughs> think they'll. Crazy. And I think they'll get another coach. Yeah. I, I don't think when they draft Caleb Williams, I think they'll end up. I like Matt Eberflus, but I think he'll end up ousted within a a year or two. Yeah. Which is the same thing they've done to Justin Fields. Bad organizational trends. Yeah, they should just. Uh, without yeah, a doubt. By the way, according it. to the same uh, DraftKings, right, DraftKings Sportsbook, who had that odds. How about this? Odds to be Saquon Barkley's next team. They have the Giants, his home team, at minus 150. Houston Texans, plus 275. The best odds to acquire Saquon Barkley, followed by the oh. L.A. Chargers at plus 400. Uh, I like that for the Texans. I don't know if the Texans are going to go with, you know, a veteran runner or a veteran receiver for their young quarterback and for that offense. But I think they're going with either one of those. Yeah. They're going to go with a veteran there, and it would be really good. I, I think I prefer veteran receiver, actually, a, a Mike Evans or someone like that. I, to I just in. wonder if there's a, you know, I mentioned this earlier, but Bobby Slowick who came from San Francisco and saw yep. the impact Christian McCaffrey had on that offense when he, he got there. He did. I mean, Saquon Barkley is a very similar kind of talent, the way you can use him in so many ways and just make him a, an X-factor kind of player. What do you call him? Force multipliers. Uh, he could be. And, again, this is a deep draft for receivers. Or The Texans have the 23rd pick. They do. And that's a spot where you're going to be able to take a receiver. And maybe it's A.D. Mitchell. And I wanted to play this. This was uh, B. John Robinson talking to USA Today. Uh, on Radio Row, and you can hear the young the, the lady asking him the question about, uh, he, and you know she didn't act, ask about Xavier Worthy. I'm not sure why, uh, but Bijan Robinson never actually played with Ad Mitchell at Texas, but no. um, she mentions that. But here's a here's uh, Bijan Robinson with a high opinion of what he's seen of the Longhorn wide receiver. Ad Mitchell, he's projected to go first round. I know y'all didn't actually play together because he yeah. he just transferred there, but um, man. A wide receiver hasn't been drafted in the first round in like 20-some years, believe it or not. So, um, one, have you watched his play? And then also, two, um, maybe where do you think his ceiling is? Or how good do you think he can be? I think he can be the best one in the league. You're saying that because he's going to Texas. Okay, okay. A little biased. But but (laughs) I've I've definitely seen him work. And I've seen just the natural, the the God-gifted ability that he does have. And, you know, that dude is is, is a special talent. and even just him, like, catching 500 balls after every practice, like, that was something that I was like, okay, this dude, this dude wants to work. He's serious, yeah. Yeah, but yep. I think he can be a, 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 an amazing player in the NFL if he just yeah. stays focused, you know, doesn't get distracted from anything and yeah. understands that he needs to come in here with the, with the fire on his shoulders um, and want to take over the league. A.D. Mitchell. Um, yeah, I mean, well, obviously, he, he is biased. The best receiver in the league. Let's table <laughs> that discussion. Uh, yeah, we can worry about that in a few years when he proves that he can be a capable NFL receiver. But I, I love what he just brought up about the catching 500 balls after practice every day. That's legit. Yeah. That's next-level stuff. That's what you need from a receiver. That, that's what scouts want to hear. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really positive data point, a guy that has that type of obsession about self-improvement. And it shows. 
Right, then that track, he didn't have a lot of drops. I can't remember any drops really for A.D. Mitchell. That's not that's not an issue for him, but maybe that was something in his mind that either he never wants to be an issue or it was something that he he, he worried about, you know, when he was with Georgia early on in his career. Um, but I love that type of commitment. And it and he's he does have all the, you know, kind of raw tools to be a really good receiver. Great body control, catch radius, he's long, he's rangy, uh, he's great red zone weapon too. Route runner. He runs precise routes. I think the biggest issue for him, and we'll get into it obviously behind the burn on curtain, is, is about speed. That's going to be the big the, – the combine is about answering questions. And your, your, your evaluation, your scouting report's got a lot of question marks on there. And at the combine, they want to answer as many of those question marks as possible. That's what the interviews are for. That's what the medical um, examinations are for. That's what the workouts are for. What do you have questions about? Is it about his straight-up speed? Is it about his ability to get in and out of breaks, deceleration, acceleration? What is it? And you answer as many of those questions at the combine as possible. For A.D. Mitchell, that will be straight-line speed. Does he have straight line speed in a 40-yard dash? Is this a guy that can top and get? Can he top out at 4-4, at a high 4-4 or a low 4-5? Yeah. Uh, with that said, uh, by the way, one other from the uh, the gambling side, according to that uh, DraftKings rod, mm-hmm. odds for Kirk Cousins' new home. Oh. Odds favorite are the Vikings, but the Vikings have already kind of said, I don't know if we can afford him. Uh, and then first highest odds outside of his own team, the Atlanta Falcons at plus 300, and then the New England Patriots at plus 500. Okay. Remember we had the story yesterday about the Patriots maybe looking to trade that number mm-hmm. three overall pick. If they're going to sign Kirk Cousins, yeah. then maybe they don't need to draft a quarterback up high. So a lot of conversation between now and the draft, now in free agency, now in the combine. Looking forward to providing it to you and bringing it to you here on Hookup Up with Ian Rodby. Also always look forward to taking you behind the burnt orange curtain. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, so let's just continue our conversation we we're having about the Combine. That's what it's about. Combine's about questions and answers. You, every player's got a, a fair amount of questions on their scouting report, hopefully there are fewer questions, right, than answers. Hopefully you can answer those. But that's what the combine's about, whether it be medical um, for some of these players and um, for, you know, for Texas, uh, if you've dealt with – if guys have dealt with injury before, then the medical evaluations are going to be huge. Jonathan Brooks, right, Jay Brooks at the combine, his medical evaluation is going to be big. And the combine they have – it's one of the most bizarre setups out there, but they basically have uh, teams in groups – um, to do the medical evaluations, so you'll have to get examined by by multiple groups because every team wants to do their own. If they consider you a, to be a high prospect on their board, they want to they want to have their own doctors check you out, um, especially a guy like Jay Brooks. So Jay Brooks' medical evaluations are going to be long and thorough. Um, he'll probably every team will probably want to poke and prod and pull at his injury to make sure that they got their own. Uh, diagnosis of the injuries for Jay Brooks. So his that's the questions he's got to answer. Um, for a guy like Tavondre Sweat, we talked about this, it'll be his weigh-in, right? There'll be a lot of questions about his weight overall. He's a guy that plays at 360, 365. They'll probably want to see him perform at the combine at around 350 or, or, three, or lower than 350 just to see if weight is an issue. And, and, and he still might end up playing at 360. NFL scouts might want him playing where he's comfortable if he carries it well. But the, the silly season and the combine 
are all about forcing players to be uncomfortable. And one of the ways they force you into being uncomfortable is they your your data points uh, on your evaluation will say, hey, they want to see him come in lighter. So they want to see him lose 10 to 12 pounds potentially and still maintain the strength in the bench press and still look really good in the agility. He may want to lose weight just so he looks good in the agility drills as a big man. Um, he doesn't have to go against players in padded like he did at the Senior Bowl. So I think that's why he kept the weight on in the Senior Bowl. He can lose it for the combine, come in lighter, look faster, look sleeker, um, and then also answer questions about whether he's, oh, man, what is the guy's going to be uh, a problem when it comes to a weight or is that going to be an issue for him? Um, he can answer all those questions at the combine. The only, I think, counter to that will be does he keep his strength? All right, he's still a guy that can really show out on the bench press if he comes in a little bit lighter. Some big men, they lose weight, they lose girth, they lose size, they lose strength. The NFL doesn't want to see you do that. It wants you to maintain and keep strength and then lose some of the girth and size. So basically lose whatever you think is body fat. Um, and they want to see him come in a little bit leaner. That's the question for him. Uh, for A.D. Mitchell, I do think he's got a lot of – upside um, and a lot to gain from the combine. You could argue nobody's got more to gain from the combine experience than A.D. Mitchell because if A.D. Mitchell runs fast, it's a straightaway speed. Um, he could go from being seventh, eighth receiver right now on everybody's big board to being the fifth or sixth best receiver overall. And the difference in that is second round to first round. He's one of the only players that's got a clear path to the first round if he runs well. For everybody else, you need help. JT Sanders going to need some help to get into the first round. Xavier Worthy would need a little help to get into the first round, considering where I think he's right now the ninth or tenth receiver on boards. But if you're A.D. Mitchell, all the scouts need to see from you is that you got front-line speed. And he'll test, every, he'll test well at everything else. He'll, his hands will be great. His route running will be good. He'll be good in the cone drills, precision route running, um, his size, his range. The film looks great. And he's a guy that was highly productive at Texas. Um, and he was highly productive at Georgia, too. I mean, he's been productive at multiple Power 5 programs, competing at a high level, you know, basically being a difference-making impact player. If he can run fast, He's going to get into the first. He's going to sneak into the first round. If he doesn't, then he's going to drop because wide receivers a really deep draft. And nothing wrong with that, by the way. And dropping for him is into the second round. So I say drop. It's not like he's going to drop into the middle rounds. So there's no shame in that. But for him, that's a, that's a, lot, that's a big difference in guaranteed money. Your, your guaranteed money is cut in half when you get to the second round as opposed to him being a first-round guy. And all he's got to do is shave a couple of milliseconds off his 40. I don't know exactly what he has run. They, they track the guys, so they know how fast they are. I don't know exactly what he's run and what's considered his fast time, but four, low 4.5, four, high 4.4. Four. I think that's the range he's going to be in. If he is, that's gonna, I think he'll put him in potentially the back of the first round. If it all works out well for him. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you add to the fact, what well, you deserve Bijan, say, catching 50 balls after practice, every practice, and those kind of things. Those are just the intangibles, right? To, you know, to be a good player in that league, Rod, you know it. I mean, to be a great player, you gotta you got to embrace the grind. You do. you got to – because everybody, once they get there, is good. I mean, they don't let you in the league if you're not good. Uh, you know, your career was derailed by injuries mostly, but you love the grind. You love the studying. You yep. love the uh, – you know, learning from the veteran players. I mean, that's those are the ones that make it, right? I mean, those are the ones that because uh, again, especially you're being talked about as a first round pick. You're talented. No one's debating your talent, but no. how much do you work at it? How much do you continue to improve your game, improve your craft? And it does sound like uh, 
Um, you know, and Sark has said similar things about Xavier Worthy. Yeah. That, that he's one of the hardest workers on the team, and he likes to grind it. And I'm assuming a lot of those drills that he's doing, they're doing together at times. So uh, I think both those receivers. And that was an interesting question from the lady from USA Today. Yeah, like, I, I was thinking about it. She said it. The Longhorns haven't had a first-round receiver drafted in Roy the, Williams. The, since Roy Williams. Yeah. Roy Williams was the last one. Yeah. And that used to have for a lot of positions, by the way, for the Longhorns once we got through the uh, the, the great decade at the start, 20, uh, the, the 2000s. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, the combine end of the month and uh, – and but by the way, I just saw because we're talking about you know Keelan Robinson's going to the combine, and he's going to run his uh, do his drills. You know, could that be for for uh, you know maybe if they change the kickoff rule, he could have a, a specialty role. But I just saw Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, reported that he, according to their sources, they don't have the twenty four votes. They don't have the votes for it. They would take to overrule it. it. Yeah, at least they're discussing. They're discussing it. I don't think they were even discussing it before. At least they're discussing it. But I think there's still there's still teams that do prioritize the kicking game and the return game. Sure. It's just, yeah, if you change the rules, you'd get almost every team kind of restructuring their uh, special teams to try and restructuring their roster construction overall just to try to make sure they got elite returners there and Keelan Robinson can fall into that category. I still think based on him being a gunner, covering kicks and returning kicks, in addition to being a boutique player, he still is a guy that could end up making a roster. But, yeah, he's got he's to put on a show. Uh, in the 40-yard dash. That's going to be key for Keelan Robinson. Um, I think Xavier Worthy will put on a show for the 40. He's He was clocked as the fastest ball carrier in college football in 2023. He is uh, – multiple times I've asked Xavier Worthy who's the fastest guy on the team, and he'll let you know it's him. He's the fastest guy on that team. That would be me. Uh, yeah, so I can't wait to see Ready. I mean, I'm expecting that guy to run mid four threes, maybe even a low four three. When I looked at the top high school 100 meters – uh, 100 meter times for football players because I'm just doing research compared to what they're going to run at the combine. Uh, Xavier Worthy was a 10.55, uh, which which is a really impressive. I think that was win dated though, his junior year, if I'm not mistaken, and in high school. So he's a little bit faster than that, but he was at 10.55. That would put him among the fastest players overall, just based on track time. All right, based on his track time at the combine. Remember that kid, Tyler Owens, who was also a Texas safety at one point? Mm-hmm. He was clocked at 10-2-9. Um, there's an Anthony Gould who was at 10-4-9. Remember Josh Newton? He's a, really good player. He's a 10-5-1 player. Um, so your track times, because that's basically what this turns into. All right, this basically got to turn into a track meet once again for the 40-yard dash, putting on the show. Um, really, guys who had track speed before they became college football players are usually ones who that translates the best to that 40-yard dash speed. And Xavier Worthy, he's got that. He ran a 21-4 uh, wind-aided 200-meter uh, time. And I believe that also was from his junior year. Romeo Dunes, a 21-2, actually. Wow. Uh, Rome, that's what he ran in high school as his top 200-meter time. So he actually made – now, 200 meters doesn't translate as well as 100 because it's a 40-yard dash. So it's really about your start, how quickly you start, and about how fast you're at 10 – that first 10 yards or 10 meters is of that. Uh, but, yeah, either way, it looks like Xavier Worthy is going to be one of the fastest players at the Combine, and he should put on the show. He may decide not to run at the Combine – um, but I think he's he's probably confident that it's a fast track, right? The NFL wants fast players at the combine because they know that's part of their show. Um, and the biggest, uh, you could you could argue, the main event of that combine show is the forty. So I, I've heard that's a, it's a fast track. That the combine track is is probably as fast as your track's going to be at your pro day. 
So I, he might decide to run there just because that might be the chance for him to get the fastest time. Good stuff right there. We'll uh, obviously count it down. They start February 29th and go through March 4th in Indianapolis. Lucas Oil Stadium, a lot of burnt orange representation there. Oh, yeah. As we said, I mean, the team with the most is uh, – program with the most is Michigan. I mean, they're sending 18 players. That's a new record. Washington 13, Florida State 12, Texas 11, Georgia 11, Alabama 10, Penn State 10 as far as total participants. 15 years since Texas had this many guys at the combine. I know, 15. A long time. It's been a long time coming. Hey, uh, Rod, the uh, I remember it was just two years ago this program had two invited and they, nobody got drafted. That's wild. That was the low water mark. That should obviously. never be the case. For that Texas. was a five and seven season too. Uh, so um, oh man. they should never go five and seven. They either. should never go five <laughs> and seven. We'll come back. We'll pick it up. We'll hit some what's popping to wrap things up. Get you ready for Valentine's Day and all the fun. Also Ash Wednesday out there. What's popping coming next? What's popping? Who you Brand new whip just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that it. like stocking. Just All right, what's popping tonight at NBA? Get that underdog fantasy account rolling. You got uh, Spurs at Mavericks. Spurs at Mavericks. Mavs are on a bit of a heater right now, and the Spurs are an 11-point underdog in that game. That's still part of that rodeo road trip that the Spurs are on. Several weeks to go in that bad boy. Houston's at Memphis tonight, uh, playing Rockets and and. Uh, and Grizz there, so uh, that's some NBA basketball tonight. Also, I saw this, Rod, uh, when you're looking for what's popping. According to a report uh, that's out this morning from, uh, what, ESPN, that at the trade deadline last week, both the Golden State Warriors and L.A. Lakers stood pat, but there are reports that the Warriors and the, where's the other team here, 76ers made a bid for LeBron James. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Uh, James ultimately expressed his desire to remain with the Lakers at least for now. So according to this report, that the the 76ers and the Warriors both went after and tried to maybe acquire LeBron James. Interesting. That, that would have been a story. <laughs> I don't even know how that's possible. For I know. Them. Like, how do, you, how do you make that work? Right? I mean, what, would I mean, be, what would you be giving up? I mean, I everything, I guess. Because that's that's the question. Daryl Morey doesn't. I mean, Daryl Morey is Trader Trader Daryl when it yeah. needs to be. No, I know he doesn't. Yeah, I'm not saying that they. I know. I'm. I'm. I'm I agree. They probably were trying to do it. I. I don't see them. So I wonder exactly what the package would have been. Trading for LeBron James. I know. Like, what do you have to give up? Yeah. And would they have been able to keep any of the core that they have together? Well, I mean, obviously, it's LeBron. You got to give up a lot for LeBron. Yeah, and obviously that that story just out. I haven't read the whole Ooh. thing, but I would also say that the, um, you know, if you're the Sixers and you can give up enough, you put LeBron with Joel Embiid when he comes back from his knee injury, try to make a run. I don't know. That that just dropped here a little bit ago. Okay. Pretty surprising. Also on what's popping, the Chiefs have agreed to a new deal with Steve Spagnuolo, their defensive coordinator, so he's locked in. Uh, he's ready to roll. Also popping, Rod, we're getting baseball stories because that's what's opening now, spring training. Spring training. Pitchers and catchers reporting for the it Texas Rangers out in Surprise, Arizona. Also, the Astros are reporting to West Palm Beach, Florida for their uh, their t- spring training. Justin Verlander, the Astros ace, said he's a little bit behind schedule because his shoulder didn't feel 100% when he first started throwing, so he's going to take his easy. He says he's fine, but uh, at his age, he's going to pace himself. Getting ready for the start of another baseball season. Of course, the Rangers, you're defending world champs. Astros trying to come after them, and uh, every one of those matchups should be popping come uh, April, May, into June. I love that the Warriors just won't let that window close. They don't give a damn. They're like, no, this window's going to stay open. We got Steph, window's open. So I guess they're just trying to pair up Steph and LeBron. 
That was the whole purpose? Yes. Just like pair Steph up with LeBron. They probably would have given up everything else they need to give up. Just We just want LeBron and Steph together. Damn, I'm not going to lie. I, I kind of want to see that too. And LeBron has always talked about trading for Steph. And Steph has always almost almost rebuffed the the request. He always, you know, said something along the lines of, now nah, I'm fine where I am. Um, I don't need to team up with LeBron. But maybe he's changed his mind. Maybe. Uh, by the way, last night in Orlando, Shaquille O'Neal had his, no, his jersey retired, number 32. Of course, he started his career in Orlando. I remember the year the Rockets, Houston, beat them in the, in the finals when Sha- Shaq was a, a young player, and Akeem Olajuwon took him to school. <laughs> that was just, mm-hmm. ended up being a sweep with Kenny the Jet and Vernon Maxwell and those Rockets going back-to-back. But uh, pretty pretty what's popping acclaim. Uh, Shaq is only the third player in NBA history to have his number retired by three different organizations. Um, three different organizations. Lakers, Magic. Lakers, uh, Lakers, Magic now, and the Heat. On the Heat. The Heat, sense. yeah. Yeah. Um, the others, Pete Maravich and Wilt Chamberlain. Wow. Yeah. It's Pete, impressive. Pete Maravich and uh, now uh, Wilt Chamberlain, excuse me, Bill Russell's number is, re- is retired now, across the Le- league. It'll be for LeBron, too, though. LeBron oh, yeah. Into oh. that because it'll be Miami, it'll be Cleveland, and the Lakers. That's right. That's right. LeBron, will, LeBron will, join, will join the fourth. And Bill Russell's number six is retired league-wide. No one can wear Bill Russell's number. Not oh, I, didn't, I don't think I realized that either. Yeah. Hmm. League-wide. So, yeah, kind of like the Jackie Robinson thing in baseball. They just wear it all on Jackie Robinson Day, and then no one else can wear it. Mariano Rivera was the last one. Hmm. Okay. I didn't realize that. he was that grandfathered actually. in. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But then LeBron, yeah, LeBron, right. Sometimes he'll wear it. You're right. Yeah, what number is he going to wear? He's been different numbers in different places. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. All right, Rod. Enjoy the Valentine's Day, man. Give that uh, they give that baby a kiss. Yes, sir. Do something nice for the wife. I'll try to do the same. About to do what happened right now. About to head to the store. Hey, some flowers. Nice work. Uh, Ty, you do the same. Enjoy that Bob Schneider concert, and uh, everybody have fun tonight. Be safe. We'll get back after it tomorrow morning on a Thursday edition of Hook 'Em Up. We'll go zero dark early at 6 a.m. Missed any part of today's show? You can find it uh, on the podcast at hornfm.com. As we said earlier, we'll have a good conversation tomorrow. Talk Texas baseball, getting ready for the baseball season starting this weekend. Lot to do. Join us tomorrow, six to eleven, on Hook 'Em Up with Ian Rodby. Jim Rome is next.